Welcome to episode two of the Atlanta Gladiators podcast. I'm Mike Fulta, Director of Broadcasting and Communications with the Gladiators. And we'd like to thank everyone for listening last week when we had head coach Jeff Pyle on. And it was our first ever episode. So thank you for listening. Thank you for um, taking the time to to plug us in and allow us to be be part of your day. If this is your first time with us, that is okay. You can still go back and listen to episode one on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcast. Please do download, subscribe, uh, follow us where you listen to your podcast, and leave us a review as well. We'd love to hear your feedback. For team information, follow us on social media at ATL Gladiators on Twitter and Instagram. Also follow us on Facebook and, and TikTok now as well and LinkedIn. Uh, you can also find out more team info and info about tickets online at atlantagladiators.com. This week, we have Atlanta Gladiators forward Cody Sylvester on with us, a fun interview with him. Last week, along with talking to Coach Pyle, we ran through the latest player signings. We gave our first sends segment, and we mentioned the Atlanta Hockey Showcase 2021. As a reminder, the Atlanta Hockey Showcase 2021, it's two games, October 15th and 16th. So that's coming up here in the middle of the month in October. And Yang Hala is coming to town. That's a South Korean professional team. They have a bunch of Olympians on that club. They're coming in. The Greenville Swamp Rabbits are coming in as well. On the 15th, that's when An Yang Hala will play Greenville. The Gladiators will take on An Yang Hala on the 16th. You can get a ticket to one of those games for under $20. That'll get you out to the showcase. And season ticket holders actually get that first game on Friday free. And then they can come by and pick up their packages as well. We do have another player signing to announce that's been dropped since our last episode last Wednesday. The Gladiators announced that 26-year-old defenseman Anthony Florentino has signed with the Glads. Florentino, 26-year-old D-man from Massachusetts, a former fifth-round pick by the Buffalo Sabres back in 2013. After he was picked by Buffalo, he opted to play college hockey instead with Providence College and actually ended up winning a national championship with Providence. He spent five years in the ECHL, a couple games in the AHL as a rookie a few seasons ago. Last year, he split his time between the Kansas City Mavericks in the ECHL and the Birmingham Bulls in the Southern Pro League. He is the eighth defenseman signed by the Gladiators, and he joins a blue line that already has Malcolm Hayes, Zach Yoder, Josh Thrower, and his older brother Dalton Thrower, Derek Topadic, Tim Davison, and Greg Campbell. So that defensive core is about as full as it, as it gets right now. It'll be interesting to see how that shapes up as we get ready to enter training camp coming up here in a little under two weeks now. All right, let's get to our Sens segment. Last week, the Ottawa Senators, the new NHL affiliate of the Atlanta Gladiators, they started their training camp. That was this past Thursday. And before that, the Sens finished up their rookie camp that the Gladiators made an appearance in. Uh, Atlanta Gladiators signee Matt Wedman took part in the Senators' rookie camp up in Ottawa. Wedman actually played in a couple of rookie scrimmages for the Senators. They took on the Montreal Canadiens in a couple of matches, and Wedman actually scored a breakaway goal against Montreal as well, so really cool to see Matt Wedman, who signed with the Gladiators earlier this summer, 
making an impact at rookie camp uh, for the Ottawa Senators. He is on the 54-man NHL training camp roster for the big club as well. On Sunday, Ottawa had their first preseason game. It was against the Winnipeg Jets in Winnipeg. Ottawa won that game 3-2 in overtime. Shane Pinto had the OT winner. Uh, also goals from Ridley Grieg and Alex Formanton as well. Grieg, a 19-year-old, young gun, former first-round pick. He's a rookie playing in his first NHL action. Alex Formanton, 22 years old. He's been up and down between the NHL and the AHL the last couple of years, but a promising prospect there. So the young guns pitching in for Ottawa in their first preseason game against Winnipeg. The next preseason game for the Ottawa Senators is tomorrow, Wednesday, on the 29th. The Sens will play seven preseason games total, one against Winnipeg, that was this past weekend, three against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and three against the Montreal Canadiens. Kind of interesting for Ottawa because they play Toronto three times in the preseason, and then their season opener on October 14th is against Toronto. So, They play a team on opening night that they've saw three times in the preseason. You don't see that in the NFL, certainly. You don't typically see very much of that in MLB. But that is the case for the Senators. Obviously, in the NHL in the preseason, everyone's trying to minimize travel. That's why Ottawa is playing Winnipeg, Toronto, and Montreal. Continuing on in Senators news, Ottawa signed forward Logan Brown to a one-year, two-way deal this past week. And... If you're not familiar with what a two-way deal is, that's just when a player has two different pro-rated salaries, basically one for the NHL and one for when he's down in the AHL. Up with the big club, Logan Brown will be making $750,000. If Brown gets sent down to the AHL, he'll be making a salary consistent with that of a $100,000 yearly salary. Brown's a big guy, 6'6". He's 23 years old. He played pretty well in limited action last season, nine points in 13 games with Belleville. And the general manager for Ottawa, Pierre Dorian, only had good things to say, as you would imagine, during his signing. But Dorian said, quote, Brown is among the most talented prospects in our organization. He possesses many of the tools that could ultimately help him find success in the NHL. Brown was the 11th overall pick back in the 2016 NHL entry draft. So Ottawa signs Logan Brown. And then... On Saturday, they trade him to the St. Louis Blues. They trade Logan Brown and a conditional fourth-round pick for Zach Sanford. So Zach Sanford, a 26-year-old forward from the Blues, coming to the Ottawa Senators. Uh, Sanford signed a one-year $2 million deal with the St. Louis Blues back in August, so he doesn't bring a huge cap hit over. He was mildly productive last season in St. Louis, 16 points, In 52 games, he had 30 points back in the 2019-2020 season. Sanford is a guy that Craig Berube, the head coach for the Blues, and Doug Armstrong, the general manager, they love this guy. He got a lot of play for the Blues, even saw some action on the top line with St. Louis. He's played everywhere uh, in that forward group from the top line down to the fourth line. So he's been up and down that lineup. But he had a lot of opportunity in St. Louis, and he's going to get even more in Ottawa. Likely that he will see some top six minutes. So Zach Sanford comes over from St. Louis. Logan Brown heading over to St. Louis. 
And that conditional fourth-round pick gets wiped away for the Blues if Brown plays in more than 30 NHL games for the Blues this upcoming season. An update on the Brady Kachuk saga here with the Senators. There has been a report from Post Media and TSN's Brooke Skariak that Kachuk was offered an eight-year, $64 million deal with an average annual value of $8 million. Uh, Kachuk still not signed here with the Senators. That is at the top of the general manager Pierre Dorian's to-do list. Kachuk, the 22-year-old star, had or has 125 points in just under 200 career games with the Senators. That wraps up our Sens segment. Now it's time to bring you our interview with Glatz forward Cody Sylvester. But before we get to that, we do want to thank our partner, Orthosport and Spine Physicians. Orthosport and Spine Physicians is now the official team doctor of the Gladiators, as well as the naming partner for the Glads home ice. Orthosport and Spine Physicians specializes in providing state-of-the-art, minimally invasive treatments for complex neck and spine problems, as well as sports-related injuries and conditions. They also serve patients who travel to their office from other areas in the Southeast and throughout the country. Let them help you get back in the game. And now, Cody Sylvester. And now we welcome in a professional player entering his ninth full season. He spent five full seasons in Europe. Last season, he led the Wheeling Nailers with 25 goals. That was best. Uh, That was good for the eighth best in the ECHL. We're pleased to welcome on the Atlanta Gladiators podcast, Cody Sylvester. Cody, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. We're recording this uh, at the hospital right now where you just kind of did a a little visit with with some of the kids here. You played bingo with them. It it was kind of a a fun experience and a cool way to kind of connect with some some kids that are going through some tough stuff right now. Yeah, it was was really cool. Um, We were in the radio station here at the hospital, and we got to go on on air and play – pretty much kind of virtual bingo we didn't really get to interact with the kids which was kind of sucky but um you know we got we got to go on and play a little bingo with them and they got to call in didn't really get a chat with them but mm-hmm. hopefully they had fun doing it yeah well and it's tough because with all the covid regulations you can't really you know be in the room with them the same way you maybe could in the past but um it's just doing your part i guess doing our part to to try and and make these kids days a little bit better you did get to to meet with uh, a young hockey fan, and it was kind of cool to see him, you know, stand up out of his out of his wheelchair and and, and take a picture with you and, and see the way that you impacted him and and his family's day as well. Yeah, I mean it's it's very cool to always come to a hospital and do hospital visits. Um, like you said, all all the kids in here they're they're all sick, and I mean if you can come in here and brighten their day even just a little bit and put a smile on their face, and I mean that's why you come here and do it. And, just, I mean, it brightens up our days too to see them a little bit happier um, in the hospital. But um, yeah, like I think his name was Bentley. We got to meet, and um, he came down, and he was he was pretty excited. He um, is a big hockey fan, like he said, and you know he was he was in here um, getting some treatment, and he was able to get out of his his wheelchair and, and take a picture with me. So I mean, that's he's got to be a pretty strong kid to be able to you know just to stand up and be able to take a picture of his wheelchair so that was that was pretty cool and special yeah it was we're also uh here with uh your beautiful wife jenna who uh who actually works at the hospital here so it was kind of double trouble for you you got to stop <laughs> in and say hi to your wife and uh you know do the show with uh with the kids as well but you guys had a pretty cool gender reveal um for 
Uh, your first kid on the way here coming up. Uh, we want to talk about that a little bit. Kind of a, a cool scene there. Yeah, for sure. It was cool. Um, we did the the classic shoot the the puck and watch it explode. Um, we tried to get on the ice, but we we um, resorted resorted to um, a family's backyard, which was I think worked out in in the long run better than it would have been on the ice. I mean, the atmosphere on the ice and you know the background would have been cool, but um, no. So we did it in the in a friend's uh, backyard and you know we we lined everyone up and they they count me down and I shot the puck and it uh, exploded blue so we're having a, a baby boy in February yeah and and we kind of went back and forth a little bit on our uh, get to know the glad segment the video segment on YouTube but uh, but it's gonna be pretty soon before that guy's in skates right I mean as soon as he can walk he's gonna be out there oh yeah as soon as as soon as he can walk he'll be he'll be in his first pair for sure I mean I thought it was going to be a girl, hands down, the whole time. And you just had a feeling. I just had a feeling. It was. I was like ninety nine percent sure. And and um, Jenna, my wife, she she thought it was a boy. And then just from me convincing her every day that it was a girl, <laughs> she kind of changed her mind last second. But no, we're we're totally excited that it's a boy. And um, obviously, we want to we, we want to have at least two kids, and we're gonna hope for a girl next time. But um, no, we definitely wanted a boy mm-hmm. to to start off and mother's intuition well we're we're glad to have you guys uh in atlanta here and uh glad to have you back over from europe we'll we'll get to that here uh in a little bit i do kind of want to go through your career um a british columbia native five years in the whl with the calgary hitman what was playing in that league like was that a bit of a heavier league when you were there um yeah it was definitely probably the the heaviest league Mm -hmm. in in the in that area so um yeah it was it was different i mean the first couple years there was more more heavy guys more fighting more hitting and then as it as it went on you saw the hockey hockey world change to more of a a skill and and speedy game so um the first couple years were hard but those are probably the the best years of my whl career when i was 16 we we made it to the finals and we lost out to my hometown Kelowna. Uh, we lost to them in the final, so it was actually kind of cool to go back home and be able to play um, the finals in your hometown. But it also sucked losing. But um, right. when I was seventeen, we we had the opportunity to go back to the finals, and and um, we brought a brought home a WHL championship. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, you're a bit of a, a hitman legend. Sixth in franchise history in games played, fifth in goals, eighth in assists, uh, tied for seventh in total points, and you played with some some guys who would go on to have uh, you know pretty big NHL careers as well. Guys who were still playing, uh, Victor Rask with Carolina, Minnesota. Uh, you actually outscored him, I believe, one of the seasons uh, that you guys played together. And then uh, guys like Chris Drieger, who's now with the Seattle Kraken, Jake Vertanen with Vancouver. Um, what was it like playing with guys like that in that league and, and on your team? And could you kind of see it with some of those guys that like? Hey, I'm right here with these guys, and, and these are the guys that are going to the NHL. Um, yeah, you definitely um, see their potential when they're. I mean, I think, well, they're all younger than I am. I'm not sure how how much, but um, when Victor came over from uh, Sweden, I believe, um, he was a very skilled, big, big forward, and <laughs> uh, you you just knew that he was going to be in the NHL at some point in his life, and. Um, can't remember what age he 
ended up signing and playing for Carolina. But um, no, he was he was a definitely skilled forward. He was a good buddy of mine. Actually, we hung out a lot when I was in Calgary and. Um, before he left, I knew he was going to the NHL, so I got a signed stick from him, and it's still in my house to this <laughs> day. So that's pretty cool. Um, Dreeks, um, you know, another player, like, you know, he was going to the, to the NHL at some point in his life. He didn't know when, but just in practice, you know, he competed hard, and mm-hmm. it was it was hard to score on him in practice, let alone um, the teams that were playing against us. Uh, they had a tough time scoring on him. He's so, a guy who's had a, a really long journey to to kind of establish himself in the NHL, but here he is. Kind of a cool story. Yeah, he did have a long journey. And, um, you know, he, he fought his way and, you know, he, he took his time. And obviously, goaltending position is probably the hardest hardest spot to, to crack the first, um, the starting position as a, as a goalie. So I think um, him getting to be able to go to Seattle, um, he'll set himself up pretty good there, I think. Um, playing with uh, who's their that other goalie that they got there? Grubauer is, is Grubauer. The other so, one, yeah. I mean, you know, Driggs, he's he's proved himself the last couple of years um, mm-hmm. with the Panthers, and you know he's he's been playing well. So, um, I'm sure he'll be doing the same in Seattle. And um, Vertanen, um, he's a Vancouver boy, I believe. Okay. And so we're we're kind of grew up in the same neck of the woods. Um, he was a lot younger than I, but mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's a lot bigger than I am. Yeah. I know I was like, I was 20 and he, he was coming to, to camp at, I think he was 16 or 17. And I mean, he was way bigger than I was. I'm like, dang, this kid's going to be for sure. Mm-hmm. And then he shot with the speed that he has and the shot that he has and, and just the size. And, and, um, he had a couple of good years with, uh, the Canucks. And then I believe he signed in the KHL this year. So yeah. I, I think he's going overseas. Yeah which um, I think they'll play pretty well into this game. Now, you're 5'11". I mean, you're well-built. You never thought about just asking somebody to change you to six foot? I mean, with the Gladiators, we, we can make that happen that, on, on these <laughs> rosters. You almost never see a guy at 5'11". You'll right? see 5'10", but you'll, and you'll see six foot, but you'll never see 5'11". Oh, man. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that. My whole career, um, a lot of teams wouldn't ask you your height if they didn't like measure your weight or anything they just would go back to right. previous stats and they put 511 I'm like dang this is my year to put six feet <laughs> so actually last year um dj with the the neighbors yeah um we were doing just a photo shoot i think and i was like dj you got to change the 511 to six feet <laughs> I'm like, just give me that extra. <laughs> so you've tried. I, I've tried, but I mean, I should have done it way back um, when I was when I was like my draft year or something. That probably would yeah. You got to be edge. careful coming out of yeah coming out of those those critical years because once it gets on your hockey DB and elite prospects, you're going to be there to stay. But I know I should have just went on my tippy toes a little bit more. I guess. Yeah. Well, hey, we'll put we'll put six foot in the the Gladiators there, roster. There and you we'll, go. We'll reach out to that. our our contacts <laughs> at at the the hockey databases to try and get those get those changed. Um, you also won WHL humanitarian of the year. My question for that is, did you have to bribe anybody for that? Or how does that work? <laughs> like, were you just doing that many, many good deeds? How, how do you get nominated for an award like that? Um, no, I didn't, I didn't bribe anyone, mm. but, um, no, it was actually, it was a pretty cool year. It was my last year. And, you know, I would do the school visits and yeah. hospital visits and all that kind of stuff. But um, I played five years in Calgary, like you mentioned, and it was my last year playing there. I just wanted 
the community there gave so much to me throughout the five years and and I just wanted to figure out a way that I could give back to them and so I came up with chance to play and it was um it was uh we made t-shirts and we sold them and it had it was a, a hockey player I'll have to send you a picture so you can post it or something it was a hockey player with little kids and then the hitman logo and and um we sold those to raise money for kids um, that couldn't afford to to play hockey. Yeah, and um, well, I'm, there you go. I'm not sure if you know, but hockey is a very expensive sport. Oh yeah, just for you know skates or anything. Um, so just to give anything back, if it was to put five kids into hockey, that I mean, that's more than it's five more, five right? more than yep. I could. So that's starting lineup, right? Yeah, there. <laughs> I mean, I. I I can't remember off the top of my head. It was a while ago how much we actually raised, but I want to say it was in the twenty thousand area. Really? Yeah. So it was actually it was really cool. The hitman, you know, they obviously jumped on board pretty hard mm-hmm. and, and uh, helped me out. And I mean, the community got behind me, and and yeah, we did we did a pretty good job that's, on raising. Yeah, there. that's incredible. That's more than five kids. Too, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. That that's that's a really cool um, initiative there. Well, after juniors, you go straight to the ECHL you light it up in your first year uh with Wheeling as a rookie then you get called up uh in your first year right to to Wilkes-Barre Scranton yep okay what was that like because you go from juniors then all of a sudden you're you're pro your first year and then you jump to the AHL and you're one step away from the NHL yeah it was a it was actually a really cool experience Mm -hmm. um you know I had a, a good start in in Wheeling and you know, I had the chance. I think a couple guys got injured or or whatever, and and got a chance to get called up. And um, my first game, I'll tell you a funny story. That Kostop, you know Tom Kostopoulos, he's a he played a lot of games in the NHL. Okay. But anyways, he was our our captain at the time in Wilkesbury, and I don't know if you know about like money on the board or oh yeah anything like well, that. Well, tell tell our audience so. Okay, so, so um, before a game, if you have if you're out of town, say my wife comes into town and, um, you know, it's a special game for me, I'll put money on the boards. So it's more of an incentive to make the guys win the game and pretty much take my money and we can go, you know, for dinner. It goes into like a a team team, fund. A team fund, yes. It goes into team fund if you win the game. If you don't win the game, then you don't pay any money. And then that team fund is for, you know, team dinners or bowling or whatever we do, you know, just, just fun things for the guys. And, um, so back to the AHL, my first game, there was all this money on the board. And then Tom Kostopoulos puts a PSP Vita for, uh, the game winning goal. So if you score the game winning goal, you get this PSP Vita. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's my first AHL game. I'm like, I don't even know how much ice time I'm going to get, let alone score a goal and win this PSP Vita. So, um, to the, I, don't, I don't know how much ice time I got, but I ended up scoring a goal. It was my first game, scored a goal, and we won. It was the first goal of the game, and we won 2 nothing. so I ended up winning this oh, PSP. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you catch any guff for that in, in the room, or did that go over pretty pretty smooth? <laughs> um, it actually went over pretty smooth because okay. none of the older guys were, were chirping at you? No, because Tom won the PSP of the game before from a guy that was called up and to the NHL, I can't oh, remember who okay. it was, but he was so too, he regifted it. Yeah, he regifted <laughs> it because he said he was too old and didn't know how to work it. Okay, <laughs> okay, 
All right. Well, well, then you had some entertainment on, on the road trips then, I'm guessing, no? Yeah, no. It, it, yeah, it definitely <laughs> helped to have that. It was, I mean, it was a pretty cool little thing. You could watch movies and yeah. play games and stuff. So, yeah. No, that's cool. that's fantastic. Take us more in, inside to that, that world of, of money on the board because that's not really something you see in other sports that much. What else, like, for what other reasons would someone put money on the board? What other reasons? Um, you know, they got a milestone coming up. Birthdays, yeah, it could be if you're injured. Um, okay, I'll you know, come back for your first game back from injury. Yeah, a lot of it's family, girlfriends, wives coming into town. Um, like you said, milestones, you know, if it's your 100th pro game, mm-hmm. and that's it's usually a, a bucket game, so that's like a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. And obviously, when you go up, like the East Coast is or the ECHL is, um. You're not going to see as much. As You're not going to see much. If you go to the NHL, yeah. then it's like our hundred bucks is probably like a thousand or you know. There's tears. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do kind of want to name drop a little bit more when you were up in the AHL. Who who all did you see up there? Uh, who maybe got some time with the Penguins? Do you remember? Um, Kunako was there. Mm-hmm. Um, Dumoulin. Yeah, I Brian he, Dumoulin. I think he's still with the Penguins. There were a couple others that I'm not sure if you played with. You had Matt Murray, Brian Russ, Connor Sheary, Thomas Vokun, just four right there off the top. Uh, they all you know, came down for a game or two. But you get a lot of guys, yeah. and that happens when you're up in the AHL. You get a lot of guys that um, that eventually filter up to the NHL. So how much like from just that experience with Wilkes-Barre did you, were you able to take away throughout the rest of, the rest of your career with – seeing these NHL guys, NHL caliber guys. It was kind of uh I don't know a little rude awakening for me, I guess. Um still your rookie year. It was yeah. my rookie year and I, I mean just coming out of juniors, you you know, you're still a kid and you don't really know what professional hockey is all about. And then I mean Wheeling's a great organization, don't get me wrong, and they, they're very professional, but just to go up to that that, that next level, it's yeah. like that much more professional and mm-hmm. And it's more than just the game on the ice is what you're talking about, right? There's a lot of stuff off the ice that comes with that. Oh, yeah, exactly. Just like the video sessions and, you know, how you're supposed to carry yourself in public and mm-hmm. how you're supposed to dress in public <laughs> and just all that kind of stuff. Like, I didn't, I, I mean, I knew about it, but didn't know about it until you actually are, are put into that situation. So, no, it, it, it's definitely helped my helped my career as a, as a professional. So, your second year, you have, you're off to a good start with South Carolina and then you move over to Germany uh, right in the middle of the, the season. What kind of prompted that? Was that just an opportunity that came up and you jumped on it? Um, yeah, so I was in South Carolina, mm-hmm. and um, it was actually when I met my wife. It was I think it was the second weekend she came down to visit is when I left. She actually helped me pack my okay. bags. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I'm never going to see her again. But um, <laughs> And here we are, <laughs> married, but... Um, no, it, it was, I mean, it was, I never liked leaving a team mid, you know, yeah. mid season, but, um, when, uh, opportunity presents itself to play in a, a better league than you are and you're already in and the D the DL in Germany is the top league and it's a, it's a really good league. I mean, you can go and look at the, the rosters in there and they got yeah. NHL players and, and my, uh, so my buddy Brooks Masick, um, he, he gave me a text one day and he goes, we have a lot of injuries and my coach is scrambling to find a player. Do you want to come over and play on the, for the rest of the season, which was, I think was only like two months left. 
And I'm like, well, dang, like, do I go for two months or do I stay for like the remainder of the year, which it would have been like another four months or in, in South Carolina. I was like, you know what? I, I want to go to Europe at some point in my life. So yeah. I'm like, I got to jump on this opportunity. And I told uh, Jenna that I was going, she helped me pack my bags and there I was the next day in, in, uh, in Germany, Iserlohn. Is that how you say it? Iserlohn? Iserlohn. Okay. Yeah. That's West Germany, like right around Cologne. Is that where that is? Um, yeah, it's about an hour from Cologne, hour from Dusseldorf, that area. So when you go over and you've spent a number of years in Europe playing, are guys, how many guys are, t- are speaking English in the room? I mean, do you like know what's going on or is it pretty easy to kind of understand and, and get along with everybody? Or is hockey just like a common language that doesn't need a translation? Um, no, there, there's definitely a language barrier, but my first year in the DAL, we had, oh man, I, our team got a little bit of grief for this. Cause we, I think we only had two or three legit Germans on our team. A lot of imports, a lot of imports that had their German pass. Okay. So now most leagues kind of limit the number of imports over there. Right? Yeah. Well, I think the DL is around 10 or 11. I can't really, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think it's, it's pretty high. Mm-hmm. And then when you go down to the second league where I played three years, it was only four imports. So then the, they want the that late, local flavor. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's more of like a development league right. for the DL. And, and then that's where you get the, you know, the, the language barrier a little bit more. So did the coach speak English to you guys? He did, but it was, wasn't the, best english but he tried he tried for i think it was the first like two weeks he would come in the room and and you know explain drills or talk about the game or whatever in in english and i mean most of our team is is german so we had to go in there and be like hey coach like just speak german and if you want to really tell us after just call us in and you can talk yeah. to us about it but I mean, it's, it's the German guys are like, what the heck's going on here? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they're pretty much. I mean, a lot of them, most of them know English and could understand, yeah, but right. there's there's some guys that can only speak a couple, you know, not not that well English yeah. and only speak a couple words. So it was tough for them, and and they're young; they're only like eighteen to twenty years old. And I'm like, it's a developmental league, and they kind of need to know what's going on. Now, you you played in Austria as well for a little bit there, right? Yeah, yeah. Is there a culture difference between like where you played in Germany and then where you played in Austria? Is it all kind of the same to you? Or I'm sure there are some subtle differences, right? Um, it wasn't too much of a difference, I don't think. I mean, where I played in Austria, we we're right in the mountains, so it was scenery scenery yeah. difference was um, was a lot different. Um, it was beautiful in, in Austria where I played, but not a whole lot of cultural differences i mean but if you were to ask a german guy oh i'm sure yeah they they, would have a lot to say about it i mean i don't think i can't understand like the language differences but they are like so you didn't pick up much german over there then huh i i honestly didn't pick up that much german (laughs) like jenna came for um hardly not even half the time i was there and she knew more german than i did so it was it was kind of embarrassing no like rosetta stone or, or anything like that i tried for a bit but I mean, Germ- the German language is—it's—it's it's freaking hard. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, it's hard. So you uh, you you light up the the second German league, uh, and you were with now. How do you say this name? I don't want to butcher it. Where you were at for a couple of years? Is it Nauheim? Bad Nauheim. Uh, bad Nauheim. Nauheim. Okay. 
what, what was it like playing there? Um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, obviously I enjoyed it if I stayed there for three years. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a smaller town, um, but a lot of history in it. And I think I liked it so much because we were, we were only a 30-minute drive to Frankfurt, which is a, it's pretty much like a North American big city. And you go to Frankfurt, you're everyone's speaking English. So it was, it was kind of nice just to be around something like that if you wanted to get back to, you know, speaking English to everyone and you just go to Frankfurt. But no, Bad, Bad Nahum was good. I mean, um, they treated us well there. And um, I had a couple good years. And unfortunately, my last year wasn't wasn't as good as my first two years. So um, I was going to go in a different direction anyways, besides coming back here. And obviously, ultimately, that's what we decided to do. But no, Bad, Bad Nahum was a good, good now, city. I imagine that that was just a really enjoyable experience for you. Like you're playing that European style and for your speed and skill, I would imagine that that really benefits you. You're living in Germany. I mean, that had to have been like enjoyable. It's just the word that comes to mind for those, for those couple, couple seasons. Yeah, it was very enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, obviously hockey was fun and it was more, more my type of game. I'm more of a straight line kind of guy with a speed and, um, the bigger ice surface obviously helped helped out my game in that aspect. But um, you play what twice a week over there? Like it's a different type of grind than than over here in the ECHL, where you right. might have three games in four days or four and five. Yes, if but, you're unlucky. <laughs> yes, um, that's one of the big reasons I like that hockey a lot more over there. Is you only play 52 games a, a season. You play Friday, Sunday maybe the odd week weekday game but like very odd that you're playing those weekday games what are the what are the fans like over there oh they're crazy you you get these is it like small kind of crazy tight-knit fan groups over there oh yeah i mean those barns get get pretty rowdy i think our our rink was only four thousand capacity and it was intimate it was jam-packed I mean, well the dl was probably the loudest rink i've been in it was in ease alone I think it was the same kind of thing. It was thirty five hundred to four thousand. They, I mean, they put in like forty forty five hundred. Really, they like pack they're like in. sardines in there, and it's it's loud. You it's not even... like European soccer, is it? Where they've got like the smoke bombs, oh, yeah. and flares, and they've got that stuff some, inside. Some, sometimes, yeah. I mean, they would have well, not inside. So our our um, our rink in Bad Nauheim was half outdoor. Really, we didn't have walls on it. <laughs> so it got in the winter okay. it, it got cold it winter got really classic cold. type deal. oh yeah it was like winter classic every every game did you ever go with the eye black like just because <laughs> no <laughs> no we didn't go with the eye black. Oh, okay it, it didn't get to, well we we're playing at night so was, yeah yeah we weren't under the sun or anything but well neither are the guy a lot of the guys playing in the winter classic yeah i guess it's, it on. it's all for show i guess right? yeah but no that's uh that that's pretty awesome so are they I've heard that over there they're like chanting a lot of the time as well, like just the whole game going after it. Yeah, um, not just like defense clap clap, but like like chanting. Right. Like yeah, singing yeah, they're stuff. singing, dancing, chanting. I mean, it's all in German. I don't know what they're saying, but um, <laughs> it was that. Yeah, they could be cursing they, you out, right? Oh, they could be. <laughs> and I ask the guy sometimes on the bench. I'm like, ah, we just got scored on, and they're they're chanting something i'm I'm like do i want to know what they're chanting they're like yeah it's not that good (laughs) but no it was it was definitely a fun atmosphere to play in um i mean you're you're going out and you're excited to play every game just because the fans are so involved and they're right over the 
glass, like just yelling and singing and dancing, waving flags around. And mm-hmm. it's just a very exciting atmosphere to play in. Did you ever have any like weird fan experiences, like on, on a personal level with any of them, any of them like wait for you outside the, the arena or anything like that? Um, Nobody's like falling over the penalty box, like messing with guys. No, not, not really. I mean, they're pretty, they stayed in check. Yeah. They're pretty good with the players. I mean, there's probably some fights in the stands with other, um, yeah, the opposing fans and stuff, but nothing with nothing the, too wild. Nothing with the players. I mean, they'd throw their beer cups on the ice and stuff at the end of the game, but you'll have that, right? Nothing like that. <laughs> um, you played with your brother Dustin for a year. Did you recruit him? Um, well, I, two years I played. I played with two him years? in Austria as well, and that's kind of where it all started. Mm-hmm. He, I guess, he kind of recruited me to go to because he was in austria yeah. playing on that team the year two one or two years before so he kind of recruited me to go to there and that was kind of uh i don't know not the best situation for my career i was playing i actually played i think 20 games on d that year <laughs> we were short d and yes he drew the short straw i did and i mean i had a decent year and but um ultimately didn't have the best year so that was the end of my career in Austria. So yeah, then we went to bed Nauheim and he joined me for my third year. And yeah, I recruited him for that year. Cause I knew it was going to be his, his last year. And, um, he wanted to play with me again, going out. And I mean, we were lucky to have him. He's a, he's a really good player. Yeah. He put up some really good numbers over there. Um, while he was in Europe, he spent a lot of time over there. You guys actually finished one, two in scoring. I believe that was the eighteen nineteen season in uh bad Nauheim over there. I won't say who was first and who was second. Yeah, don't don't mention that. Yeah, we don't we don't need to go into that. Um, but he retired right after that season, so it was kind of a kind of cool for him to to ride off into the sunset playing with his brother. Yeah, it was really cool for him and and myself. I mean, I mean, it's obviously a different different world over there when you don't you're not surrounded by your family like you are here, and um, just to have you know your brother there and and be playing with you and, and knowing that this is last year, you kind of, you kind of played every game, not different, but different, you know, I mean, just knowing that it's his, his last, last year. And you're just like, Oh dang, like, Oh, he's only got 51 more games. Like, yeah, he's kind of like a countdown. And then, um, the last game was kind of a little bit emotional for the both of us. I mean, I played against them in, in juniors. I played Mm -hmm. with them now and, and just to see the emotion that he had um, when that final, bu- final buzzer went was, you know, you had a couple of tears going down your face for that. Yeah. Were you guys on the same line, on the ice at the same time? You know, what? we we weren't that good together. We weren't, <laughs> oh, really? We weren't like the Sedins or or anything like that. Okay. Um, I'd say we're we're both. I mean, he's he's more of a rounded player, I guess. Like he he's a pretty good passer, and he can put the puck at the back of the net. I'd say I'm more of a I'm not the, I'm not a playmaker. I mean, I can pass, but <laughs> um, you're more of a scorer. I'm more of a, scorer. I'm more of a scorer, yeah. and and he likes to shoot the puck too. So we, I mean, we just didn't really gel, okay, to get together that well. I mean, we're both That's funny. We, were, we were both fast, and we we had a lot of opportunity. I mean, I think we led the league in we played uh, PK together, and I think we led the league in shorthanded goals. Or okay. we, I think we set a record actually for shorthanded goals. I'm not sure. So, I mean, our speed definitely helped in that aspect, but yeah, we, we, they tried us together for a bit, but 
Yeah, we didn't stick they together. They have to try the brothers yeah. together. Oh, yeah, right? they have like, to. That's a given. Well, I want you to play the part of travel agent here real quick. With all your time spent over in Europe, give us the most disappointing part of Europe. Maybe one place you'd never go back to Ooh. or a place to avoid. Hmm. That's tough. I mean, everywhere we kind of went in Europe was was amazing. Paris? I, We've got Jenna in the room here. Who's yeah, Jenna, I'm, I'm kind of looking at Jenna. And I'm like, um, I mean, we didn't spend that much time. in. We were only in Paris for a day. Mm-hmm. So Jenna didn't. Jenna's not a fan. Jenna didn't like it, but she Paris. never went to um, Venice with me. Venice was cool. I mean, it's obviously it's a city on water. Right. So it was, it was really cool to see. And I think we were there for three. With the gondolas, right? Yeah, so everything's yeah. just boats. And it was cool to see, but I felt like I was a, a mouse in a maze. And, like, it was very Like narrow, a labyrinth, yeah. Yeah, very narrow streets. And, I mean, if, you have, if you're claustrophobic, it's just like, how do I – I can't even get off this place. Like, there's no cars. I got to take a boat. Like, how do I get on a boat? I know it's not practical. When yeah, you think about it, right? Yeah, it was. It was really cool to see. Don't get me wrong; like, I'm glad I went, but couldn't live there. No, definitely not. And two days max. Was really? Good. Okay, was good. Okay, so Venice, keep it short. Paris, stay away. That's what the Sylvester stay. Yeah, I I like Paris. <laughs> I mean, you get to see the Eiffel Tower. Like everyone's Paris the Eiffel is Tower. something you can check off the list. Yes, right. You can yes. say you went. Yeah. Um. Well, now we've got you stateside, and and we're glad. Um. You and your wife Jenna here. Are you guys in Duluth? Are you closer to the city? Um, no, we're we're right in. Well, we're just outside Duluth, I guess, between Duluth and Lawrenceville. Okay, right up by uh by the arena. Then, uh, what what have you been enjoying the most about you know living here in Atlanta, in Georgia, a place that's not uh that has an interesting relationship with hockey over the past couple decades, couple of NHL franchises rolling through, and now obviously the Gladiators here in the ECHL. Um, Gladiators taken last uh, last season off due to COVID. This state has not really had you know affiliated hockey in the past year. But uh, but but what have you enjoyed kind of about moving down here? Um, yeah, I mean it's it was a bummer that um, Atlanta didn't play last year. We we're we were very excited to to be on the team and be able to get some get some hockey back down in the south and. Uh, Jenna's parents and family are all, all around from this area, so it was, it was like, all right, we got we're we're playing at home now. Yeah, finally we're yeah. playing a, a season at home, and then obviously COVID hit, and it kind of, I mean, Atlanta decided to opt out, and we I went to Wheeling, but um, just a build up, I guess, for the season was it's it's been a long time coming, and um, we're just ready to get hockey back to the Atlanta area. And I mean, just being in this area is cool. I mean, we're close to Atlanta. We could buzz in there whenever we want if we things to do or that we can't get in Duluth. But Duluth and Duluth is a cool, cool little town, up and town, uh, up and coming town as well. They got a lot of cool restaurants and and pubs down in that area. And um, I think we're just excited to be able to play uh, a season close to home, and um, just to see what you guys have done in the social media and. And getting the getting the hype back up for the Gladiators is 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 pretty cool, and uh, it's just getting every all the players and probably all the fans and just amped up for the upcoming season. Getting people back in, yeah. Everyone around the office and around the team is excited. And, and kind of my last question here is about camp. 
it's right up on us here. We're only a couple of weeks away from uh, the start of training camp. Take us, the the listeners, the fans, into training camp. What is that like? A couple of weeks leading up to the start of the season. What are practices like? Guys just getting to know each other. Um, what does that experience look like from your perspective? Um, yeah, so camp's coming up. I think everyone's got a report um, October 7th, and then we'll start a couple of days after. But I think it's, uh, I think, 10 to 2-week long camp. And, I mean, we're going every day. And, um, obviously, I've, I've I've been skating a lot more this summer with uh, Nesbitt. He's, he's got us on the ice and doing Nesbitt's um, skill days. So, that's that's been a lot of help. And I think that will help. Whoa, what are, uh, what are Nesbitt's skill days here? <laughs> uh, it's actually it's, it's actually really good for, for myself as a player. I mean, I've I never really took that much time, like an hour long, to just work on your skills. And, and that's pretty much what we do. We just, you know, he's he just gets all the drills out and tells us what to do. And we work on our hands, work on our edges, just that kind of stuff. So it's it's been really nice to actually um, have Nezzy skill days. Yeah. You feel like you're at one of his camps, one of his uh, his kids' camps? Yeah, I actually <laughs> hel- helped him um, with that camp this year. I uh, helped him for a couple of days there. And it was, it was really cool to to see what he's done with uh, with the community and get all those kids out there and and uh, be able to che- just be teaching those kids to be maybe pro hockey um, players one day. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Cody, this is this has been great. We'll have to have you uh, on the podcast here again soon as we continue on through the season. But thanks for coming on. Yeah, for sure. Anytime. I'm I'm glad to be here, and hopefully we can do it again. Lots of fun talking to Cody. We recorded that, like we said, at the Children's Healthcare of Atlanta Eggleston location where Cody's wife, Jenna, is on staff. And Jenna was in the room with us while we recorded, and it was funny to see her reactions to some of Cody's stories or remarks. If you don't already, please go follow us on Twitter, Instagram, at ATL Gladiators. Follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn. Check us out on TikTok as well. And again, if you have any questions about the team, opening night here coming up on October 29th, go ahead and visit us online at atlantagladiators.com. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week right here on the Atlanta Gladiators podcast. (laughs) 